0: I went to the supermarket the other day on my way back from somewhere just to get mushrooms for our dinner. So I got a bag of mushrooms, plastic bag, went to the, what's the word, it's not the uh, caja?
1: Yeah, the The, cashier.
0: The cashier. So I went to the cashier. I only had a 500. Oh, no. Of course. course. Mushrooms were like 64 pesos. I did expect to have to wait, and I did have to wait. It was uh, actually it was just five minutes, but he, the cashier said well yeah i don't I don't have change. Do you want to wait
1: so of course you waited
0: uh, yes, I waited, and two people after me, he had his four one hundred and could give me my change now um, here like i guess is it still like that in the usa that you have people packing your bags
1: yeah i think a lot of grocery stores that's the
0: case yeah here they do that too they unfortunately use plastic bags and a lot of them so i had this one plastic bag of mushrooms and of course what happened was that the person packing the bags took my bag plastic bag of mushrooms put it in another bag right because that's what they do. Right. That's the customer. We, of course, we really quick with saying, okay, we don't need a bag. It's fine like this. I know that's their job. That's how they make money. Very often we bring our own bag with uh, yeah. cloth bags or no, uh, I, I, uh, I, I, more. I, I do the same thing, and I have uh, to
1: empty out my cloth bag yes. onto the belt and launch uh, bef- before they have the opportunity to scan the first thing and, and take the bag I have to launch my canvas bag yes. at them over the other person who is still paying
0: <laughs> they, they, some have gotten used to us <laughs> doing that some uh, have not yet um, it's, sometimes they like it yeah. sometimes they think it's very good and they get their money even if they don't give us any plastic bags but if you don't do that if you don't bring your own bag they put if you just get a bar of chocolate they put it in the plastic bag. Of course. Get one can of soda, plastic bag. And if you have you no know, no, if they, they don't fill it up like they could, more bags are better. So that's something they can learn here. I don't I wonder when that's gonna happen that somebody says in the government or at least in the city government, uh, let's not have so many plastic bags anymore. And do something else. I mean it was like this. Well, but I mean, but, in other places but, but people here, reuse. it's not like the plastic
1: bags go entirely to waste. People reuse them quite a bit. I mean, I, I re- whatever I have plastic bags, I always reuse. I have my tiny little garbage can and I reuse the, uh, and I, I use them for the, the garbage that I have. Now, granted, I'm way ahead in my, pla- I mean, in my plastic bags. I think I have maybe 10 plastic bags all in my sort of wrapped ready to use my garbage cans when the garbage fills up i i take away and then there's another fresh one there oh that's smart yeah we should do that that's how i yeah and and i i think i'm almost at the point where i've reused them all some sometimes when i head to the grocery store and i forget my canvas bag i i end up with okay but i i'm I'm pretty ahead i've been getting much much better about it because that that's actually a very recent thing in the u.s i know in germany they've been using reusable bags since forever but um, so today is the feast of La Virgen de Guadalupe, the the Mexi- the patron saint of Mexico.
0: December twelfth,
1: right? And it's, it's she's not even a patron saint. It's an image. I shouldn't say patron saint. I that that's the wrong term for it. Uh, I don't know what the right term in English for it is. But the the apparition of the Marian apparition that is. The signature relic, for lack of a better term, of Mexico. See, uh, I, um, today, today is her, today is her feast day, December fifteenth. It is the fifteenth, isn't it? Or is it the fourteenth? No, it's a is it the twelfth. Twelve? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yes, it is the twelfth. I should know this because my flight is the thirteenth, and I leave yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's the twelfth. I think everybody's preparing for it, though. Maybe that's what it is. I'm getting all
0: of my dates wrong. So it's uh, December twelfth. This will be the fourth episode that we publish. At this moment, we are basically publishing uh, episode three. I I have to go home
1: and write the summary for it. Yeah. I have to, when I get home, write the summary for it. Whenever I get home, if I don't
0: just automatically collapse into bed. Then I'll think of something. Um, Whoever got through that episode will have noticed that the audio quality was not as good as before. And that's entirely my fault. I think the content is good and also we did record our draft of Why Mexico City Rocks that was supposed to be at episode 4 but for various reasons the audio quality is not as good as I would have liked and I'll try I'll see what I can rescue of that and maybe publish it as a special episode next week after I had my four days of sun
1: yeah. oh, I thought, well
0: sun we have sun uh, right. all the time. But like four uh, days my, at the beach. Four days of beach and heat. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to right we now.
1: Should, we should record sort of an, an, an apologetic note before to play before that episode. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. We, we could take something from that. So we, we apologize that this episode <laughs> of Several Ways to Live is not at the standards of audio quality that we would have liked but we hope that you will enjoy what we were able to rescue from this episode anyway.
0: We also wanted to go to Xochimilco together and meet my friend Yashua and uh, ride the Trajineras and have pulque and everything, but we didn't because Yashua is an artist. He's a singer, and he got a show in Guadalajara last weekend, and that's where he went, and I was very happy for him. Um, Life as an artist in Mexico is not any easier than in other places <laughs> but you went to Xochimilco I saw I, that I, on, I saw that on the internet
1: yeah I, I went it, it wasn't not Xochimilco Xochimilco like centro not, yeah. not near the uh, Trajineras in the touristic part of Xochimilco I went to San Gregorio this little village that's at the foot of the volcano whose name I can never pronounce correctly but we'll, we'll leave it in the show notes
0: Popocatapetl I'll, I'll let Which actually know. broke out a few weeks ago. Yeah. I saw that a couple days later on the internet. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's it's a
1: little village that used to be Chinampas. And most of what you go around on a traquinera looking around, they're what's left of the Chinampas, of that zone. But all of the Chinampas dried out in that area as, they, as Mexico City and its thirst for water kept sucking. Actually, they're very large pumps for Delegación Amistapalapa not not too terribly far away from there. And it was one of the areas, it was the worst area that I've seen post-earthquake. Every fifth lot was just another building collapse. Some of them had been entirely cleaned up. Some of them were still in various states of rubble. It, it Some of them had not been cleaned up really at all since since the earthquake. People are still working on them. And I went down there with a friend of mine from... The Carpinteria, one of the brigades from Álvaro Oregón that we've talked about endlessly, just just to see what could be done or what we could do and he has some projects he has a project where he's going to have a small Christmas party and he's seeking donations of chocolate and toys and things like that to rescatando um, sonrisas is his project rescuing smiles uh, the kids there. Um, I actually stayed in a house that had that was propped up by various apuntalación um, cajas de vida. I don't even remember what the term is in English. But uh, just what that the structures in a state of partial, this building in a state of partial collapse that was marked as inhabitable, uh, he had basically was propping up the first story of it with wood on the inside to slow the process of collapse to make it habitable. It, more of sort of a fact-finding tour. And I went on Friday planning on doing things on Saturday and I've made the plans for Friday. So on Saturday we were just walking around and we stumbled upon one building collapse where people from the INA, the the National Institute of Archaeology and History, and I thought, that, that's weird. What are, what are they doing here? Turns out that building collapse was the local museum, was the city's museum that yeah. had many, many pre-Columbian artifacts. And they really had no idea how to get rid of all the rubble to dig and find these yeah. Colombian artifacts and so we Anarchos and I had a lot of experience in removing <laughs> rubble and we just jumped in and started helping and spent the day basically doing the same thing that we've been doing at Shifting rubble watching for watching as the because every collapsed building has its own structure to it and making sure that the building didn't continue or making sure that we were able to rescue what artifacts, books, notes, records, anything that we could while while removing the rubble and making sure that the rubble that was underneath didn't continue to collapse on what was underneath it. And that I posted those things on the internet. Because that the thing about me posting the things that I do, if it's really sad, I don't post it. Yeah. If it lacks hope, if it lacks a positive message. I just don't put it online. I don't like this whole disaster tourism thing. I and even in that situation, I was essentially disaster tourist, but jumped in to help. i was still a little bit unresolved, which is why I'm a little reticent to, to speak about it. But the things that I was posting online were hopeful. Hey, we're saving these artifacts, and that's a, that's a hopeful thing to. Post the fact that people were paying attention to this museum, to this little area, and were doing what they could to help save it, was I thought a positive thing. Most of the things that I do on a daily basis are not positive, and so I don't bother writing about it. I don't bother putting it online because
0: I, to me, it, you posting that served the purpose of <clears throat> awareness, yeah, creating awareness that there's still places where people are working on this or people are suffering from the earthquake that's now I mean how long ago was that two and a half months no. almost, now if almost I, three almost three so that's a good thing that you did that um, I know the INAH mm-hmm. because they run all the archaeological sites uh, yeah. in Mexico and we've visited quite, quite a few of those especially in uh, Chiapas and Yucatan, uh, mostly Yucatan, so, in, well, there, it's three states, but the yeah. the, the peninsula of uh, Yucatan, and uh, one in uh, Guatemala, but that is not INH. Because <laughs> it's not Mexico, it's Guatemala. No, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to set the scene, I should have done that in the beginning, but we are again at place that I begin to like very much it's the Quentin Mm Café it's in Alvaro Obregón it's next to the original Biscuits
1: de Obregón and if you ask any person in Mexico City who's been here for a while where the original Biscuits de Obregón is they'll be able to tell you it's basically the corner of um, Alvaro Obregón and Merida so you can just play the podcast for anybody so where's that
0: (laughs) exactly and they have uh, awesome coffee that you really enjoy (laughs) from what I see Uh, we've talked with some of the baristas uh, in a special episode um, that will uh, come to you soon maybe, hopefully and I think we're going to be here some more times it's
1: a cool little spot to record
0: yeah and we're sitting outside and the music is not that loud outside and then It should be fine. Another thing I want to mention is anybody who likes the logo of this podcast is right to do so, because I like it a lot. And uh, it was made, it was created by my friend Angelica, um, who is a designer. And I think her best work is in logo design, uh, corporate identity uh, design work. And we've worked together on, on a lot of web projects. And um, if you like that, if you want to hire her, she does that. She does it for money. Uh, go to—I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, you don't
1: remember the name? You don't remember her website off the top of head? Oh yeah, I,
0: I'm running it. So it's Angelica Angelica-Ramos.com. Dot uh, um, You'll find it. Yeah. So thanks, Angelica. So you're leaving tomorrow, leaving Mexico City? Not for good, just for a little bit. You're going to the Congress, and I am not, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, how do I, how do I go from there? What <laughs> am I, I have all these exciting... I'm, I'm in the middle of destroying a croissant, a cold croissant for this cold Mexico City day. I'm trying to figure out what am I going to say about the 34C3 as I'm wearing the hoodie from... Whichever Congress Zero Day suits was, I forget. I, it's it's uh, slipped, just slipped back into memory. First time in Leipzig, or how do you say Leipzig? How do people say Leipzig?
0: Leipzig, but Leipzig.
1: They don't. Aren't there different ways of saying it depending on where you come from in Germany?
0: I can't say anything about East Germans and how they would pronounce it. I have no idea. Leipzig is Leipzig. Is for me, it's the first time while I'm here that I actually have time to watch the the talks which will be nice because we don't have anything to do this time and we're not going to the beach this weekend but that, then that's it. I'm looking forward to that. Just relax at home. So we're talking about the 34th Chaos Communication Congress organizi- organized by the CCC, the Chaos Computer Club in Germany. This Year for the first time in Leipzig, in the uh, Messe Leipzig.
1: Now, you should maybe explain the difference between something like the CCH and a Messa Hall.
0: Okay, the CCH, so there was the Congress Center in Hamburg, where the Congress was for the past few years, past five years, five, six and they have yeah, it's a congress center. They have large, what do you call that? Um,
1: Meeting rooms,
0: auditoriums. Meet, auditoriums. They have very large auditoriums. And now at Messe Leipzig, it's it's a. Uh, it's not a. What is it? Mess Mess Hall? No, Mess Hall is something different. It's,
1: no, Mess Hall. A Mess no, Hall no, no, is no, where no, soldiers. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just having fun looking at your face trying yeah, to up yeah, I'm and, tra- i up with I know what the English translation is, but okay, okay, I'm just okay. enjoying
0: watching you struggle through it. Okay. Um, well, in Spanish, it's feria. I have to assume in English it's fair. It's kind of close to a fairground. Fairground?
1: But not... not The concept of a convention center in English is a little bit... In, in the U.S. anyway, it's a little bit funny. Mesa, I guess, the closest translation would be trade halls. Okay. And even that's a very industry-specific term. It's just gigantic indoor space. Yeah. And that's all it is. It's gigantic indoor space, as opposed to the CSECHA, which was, I think, two big auditoriums, mm-hmm. like concert hall size, and, and several little breakout rooms. Rooms designed lecture halls. Yeah. There were auditoriums and lecture halls, as opposed to the BCC, the, Ber, the Berlin Congress Center, which was a. Uh, I mean, in, in as far as con, as far as convention centers go, it's a, it's a smaller convention center yeah. with one very big auditorium and two smaller lecture halls. The Cisacau was two big auditoriums and several smaller yeah. lecture halls. Here, there's. Lecture halls, and then, <laughs> and then the auditorium that must be created from the ground up, which is why there's a blog post right now saying, "Oh hi, we need people to come help set up. Please bring steel-toed boots and work gloves." <laughs> and oh, we can't give you a place to sleep. It's it's a very <laughs> German blog post. It's you must come help set up, but we cannot give you a place to sleep. It would be very nice if you came anyway. <laughs> it sort of sort of reflecting. There, there's, a, there's a Slack-like application. For those of you who don't know what Slack is, it's... it's how do you explain Slack? It's I, the...
0: Model.
1: Slack is a messaging platform where there's various different... But it's designed for teams and businesses to do business and work and stuff. And so there's an open-source version of it called Rocket Chat, which is what they're using. And even browsing through the Rocket Chat, it's, it's not totally public, but it's not private and watching the things happen on Rocket Chat uh, translating from German to English (laughs) it's it's very interesting the mood going into the 34C3 is is interesting and that's the thing, it's in a brand new space the last time when they moved from the BCC to Hamburg, it was stressful but not not as stressful and I think they had started the planning much sooner than this one
0: I think that was the 29C3, right? Yeah, I was there. And I I just remember that it was really good and everything worked. Um, Because
1: all the facilities were there.
0: Yeah. Just like in the BCC, all the facilities
1: were there. It's a slightly different story. And that's the (laughs) other thing is it's an all-volunteer effort. And volunteer efforts for conferences that are in the multiple thousands of people... It's a, it's a tricky it's a, it, it's, it's a tricky it's a tricky thing. And it's a complicated time. It's much these times are much more complicated than when they moved from Berlin to Hamburg. I mean, for a number of different reasons, you didn't have how do I begin to explain the complexity of these times versus five years ago? Both in the global situation and in the situation in this hacker community, if we can even still call ourselves a community? I wish I could somehow put the weighting of my thoughts into the podcast in terms of do I go for the positive, saccharine, hopeful thing that I'm known for or do I start talking about the dark side? Or do I wander off into a different subject entirely and start talking about the new Star Wars movie because that's the first thing that came to mind when I said dark side.
0: I want to hear both things. <laughs> or I want to hear the dark side because the good side, I know the good side, I think. I'm not sure what dark sides you it's like, do are I go, about. Do I go Twitter or do um, I go
1: Mastodon? Because I think mm-hmm. you, you very well, well know that okay. I, I, my Mastodon is very, very dark. That's where I go yeah, to, but to let out my existential... Angst. Yeah, Mastodon
0: is in general more open in any way. But it's more closed because... Nobody sees it. Nobody. Does it's, it's not that
1: nobody sees it. It's that it's a very small segment yeah. yes. of the community that monitors it that I trust. Okay. That, that I sort of trust implicitly that it's not... As much as it is just another platform like Twitter for you you toot on Mastodon. It's, it's very similar in that way, but I, I feel more comfortable because I it's in my mastodon is not private it's not locked down anybody can go look at it but it's kind of it's darker than my twitter which i know is i mean i have a following and i have people that read my twitter and look at my or my tweets pop up in various different people's streams and they see things and i try to keep that light and fun yeah and hopeful mastodon's where i go dark so do I go Twitter or do I go Mastodon? Okay, let's go Twitter. Well, for, let, let's start off with, you know, what were you going to say?
0: I don't know if you've checked the download numbers of the first two episodes. That's really Mastodon. That's not Twitter.
1: What? I haven't even promoted this on Twitter yet, and I don't, So <laughs> I, should, I should get to Nobody's that. listening yet? We should never say that, because
0: the thing <laughs> about podcasts <laughs> is
1: that they live yeah, on. Yes, that that's people true. People rediscover
0: yeah. them all Yeah, the I want time. to encourage you to do the Mastodon thing now.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're, you want me to go dark. I'm, I'm worried. It's in a new place. I could say I have a new role or I don't have my old roles. All of my old roles are gone. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of tension regarding harassment in the community of, of all different kinds. So I'm going to teeter out on a limb. Because you asked me to go Dark. What a very appropriately timed interjection, random interjection from Alvaro go on the street, the street life. I don't think the Congress has really come to grips with its size. That's the starting point. Other big conventions of this, other big gatherings of people of this size have a recognized order to them. Well, the Order of Chaos events is unique in tune and of itself. I don't know of any other gathering of that size that's entirely a volunteer effort. I don't know of another gathering of that size that has managed to maintain a certain sense of order without ever having that order be elucidated beyond be excellent to each other. In the days of the BCC, you, you saw everybody. It filled up, at I think, 2,000 people. A 2,000-person a gathering and a 15,000, 15, 16,000-person gathering are two totally different gatherings. It is easy to bring people into a community and teach people certain community norms in a 2,000-person gathering than in a 15,000-person gathering. And of course, right now, in the global zeitgeist, if I can even be allowed to say such a thing, we're coming to grips with a lot of toxic facets of the current social order. We're destroying the current social order in the hopes of building a new one. And this also affects gatherings like the Congress, where certain facets, certain communities, certain areas of this thing have been very badly affected by this. Then you throw in the fact that it's a German event run by Germans in Germany and that the the tendency, of, even since moving to Hamburg, has been, OK, now we're a global event. How do we tilt this back more towards Germany? Cause it's art, because it's our, because it's a German event that yeah. that the, the big vision of Tim Pritlov's was to take this patently German event where the talks were in German and make it a global event. And now the pendulum has to shift back the other way. And a lot of this harassment in the zeitgeist, you could say, is a uniquely American thing. You could say that it's not uniquely American in the sense that, yes, this kind of toxic, the toxicity in the communities exists to varying different levels depending on where you are. I don't know what misogyny is like in Germany compared to the United States. I haven't experienced it. As such, I mean, even my, even my particular harassment incident, were, it, was, it was two Americans that happened to be in Germany. The standard procedure, having a code of conduct, having an enforcement mechanism, sort of setting up this, what its detractors would call a thought police, is not something that I think would function well at a chaos event. And I think that's a controversial stand to take being a relatively famous victim of a particular harassment incident. It's a fairly controversial stance to take. Okay, so if the standard option isn't going to work and the the thing about chaos events, the standard option going from a 2,000 person volunteer run event to a 15,000 person volunteer event, the standard option would have been to professionalize it. You have a team of people who work year round and whose job it is to set up the event, whose job it is to run the event, to make all of the contacts and to give those people a salary and I, I don't know how well known it is but the people who currently run the congress would rather the congress not happen than see it turn into a professional event
0: okay
1: as far as i know this could have changed but that's that's how i as far as i know that's still the case and so the standard option is not going to work so what do you do and I was talking about this, ironically, on Mastodon. I don't know if you saw it. But that there has to be a rededicated effort on the part of the community to step up as individuals when they see harassment happening. And the problem with that is that you have to shut down your friends. You have to shut down the people that you look up to. Because a lot of the, a lot of the heroes, a lot of the people who you look up to, the organizers, the movers, the shakers, the people who do things, don't always do things in the right way in the sense that I think especially in Germany good decent people largely work silently in the background they don't want to be known that all of the most magical things that happen happen under the guidance of one of these public heroes or one of these more public figures but that all of the work happens for people who want to be completely anonymous how can you be completely anonymous And insert yourself into a situation of harassment. It's something that none of my German friends, the people that I confide in, the people that I'm very close to, know how to do. How do you shut down your friends? How do you shut down somebody bigger when they're not being excellent to somebody? If it's a new person, or if it's somebody that you don't know, or somebody that's in your space and invades your space and is not being excellent or is saying bad things, being misogynist, racist, homophobic, whatever... Of course, it's easy to shut down a stranger. It's easy to tell them, hey, look, we don't tolerate that. Go away. That's not welcome here. How do you say that to somebody you look up to? How do you say that to somebody who's your hero? I don't have an answer to that. Other than if you see a person who's not comfortable, who's being harassed, just tell the harasser, look, the person who is being harassed has made it clear that they would rather that you're not here right now, so think you should probably go find somewhere else to be. And then how do you do that on a 15,000 person scale when a lot of the people who are around you don't know? And the whole purpose of gathering like this is to meet people you don't know. I don't have any ready answers. Now, of course, there's always the people who are silently in the background taking care of these things as they come up, as they find out about them. And in a 2,000-person conference, it's very easy for this small team of security people to know everything that's happening and to put stops to things as they see it and to do it very quietly and to do it without any kind of public attention or drama, to tap down the rumor mill. How do you do that at a 15,000-person event when you've got a team that's the same size as your 2,000-person And at the same time, these events don't function in hierarchical ways. It's not a cathedral-like environment. It's a bazaar environment to go way back to the cathedral and the bazaar element of it. And bazaars like this are very resistant to any top-down efforts to stop these things, which again is why the code of conduct or things like that that are the typical solution, which work well in other situations, sort of fail from the inception. And of course, they've failed very in very public ways and it's you know the reaction from some people are Nick we're never going to forgive you for your blog post and that's fine I don't okay maybe it's an unforgivable thing alright okay and then the reaction from from other people is, oh we're so sorry this happened to you blah 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 blah. but where's the reaction of okay the lesson was if I see harassment happening I'm going to stop it I'm going to do what do the small thing that I can to help protect the people who are the target of abuse That message never comes out. So I'm just... I'm concerned about how all that's going to play out. And of course, on the social media, you have the people saying, we need a code of conduct, blah, 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 blah. And of course, the counter-argument being, code of conduct will not work here, blah, 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 blah. And the energy gets lost in the argument as opposed to getting poured into the solution, which is, hey, this is everybody's responsibility to take care of this. I thought... The blog post that went up on the CCC events website talking about the security team and the awareness team was a was a good first step. But even that blog is a. As this whole thing has gotten bigger, is an official voice. You know, whereas before any, I mean, when I started with this thing, they gave me a blog post count. Like, oh, hey, if you have something interesting, throw it up on there. We always are looking for new stuff. Now it's much more highly controlled and vetted and reviewed because one wrong thing gets thrown up there <sighs> ooh it's like the netflix tweet about they're trying to be funny saying to the person yeah. who watched this thing 47 times are you okay now i can see the humor in that this is my problem is that i always try to look look at where look at what the person who wrote the thing was thinking at the time and compare that to the response. I mean I get into I get into trouble for this all the time on Twitter. I read a tweet and I view it as one thing and I retweet it or put something out in support and ambulance. <laughs> it's funny that that was in a room ambulance. I think I know the driver of that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and people my, what I'm thinking is definitely not what everybody else is thinking about it Yeah, I lost a friendship over that I, have to, I don't know how I'm going to recover that friendship but I trust in the chaos despite all of this I trust that some kind of solution or resolution that you will never be able to wrap your hands around that you won't be able to touch that you won't be able to really identify will come to the surface and things will be okay. But that's a bleep of faith. That's not I don't have any evidence to support that other than blind faith. And that's what I'm worried about going into this. And I, I see I I empathize with everybody involved with the response to all of these things. The people who say that the blog post was a mistake that you have to apologize for it. I totally see that point. I don't I don't know how to do that i'm still working with people on how to do that but how do i do that and not excuse the harassment hell if i know and that's the thing if nothing happens at the 34 c3 if it's just another hey everything was success we made it blah 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 blah. It, people will think that that's the way it was always supposed to be you don't have a landmark event with a lack of a crisis and everybody's trying to prevent the crisis and the chaos. All right, can I, can I go not dark now? <laughs> so I'm looking forward to going to help. I'm looking forward to helping set up the thing. Looking forward to bringing the steel-toed boots that I wore throughout this whole crisis into building stages and sets and things, whatever they need help building. And I have a lot of experience in that. So I'm looking forward to going to do that. I'm also looking forward to running my post office which I haven't announced as publicly as of the re- time of the recording this podcast. It's the, it, and this is a weird thing. I used to run the post office at Burning Man and I'm trying to bring back that same thing to the Congress. This is a 15,000 person event. When you have a city of 15,000 people there's a post office isn't there? Yeah. You have to have a way of sending things into it and sending things out of it and that's what I plan on doing and I don't know exactly how it's going to work. I know that we're going to have postcards and people are going to be able to send postcards to wherever from the Congress and hopefully receive postcards and other bits of mail at the Congress and send it out Hmm? as appropriate. I'm hoping that people will bring things from hackerspaces leave them at the post office and say hey it's your problem to deliver all this stuff (laughs) and to get volunteers, random volunteers not angels. Yeah. Because angels do work. Getting a couple of pieces of mail and then going on a scavenger hunt to find the people that they belong to (laughs) is more like a self-guided tour Uh of the 34C3 than it is an actual service. Now, of course, you're providing a service, but people who go deliver mail at these events are, if their hearts are open to it, seeing sides of the event that they would not otherwise see if they were just an attendee wandering by. Now I want to go. Now I want to go and do that with you. It's—I don't know how it's going to work. It's coming together at the very last minute. I'm not in Germany. There's people there who are doing a lot more work for it than I am. I'm going to spend my time that I'm visiting my parents between now and the Congress working on getting it up and running. When I should have been getting it up and running now, but I was too busy digging out archaeological artifacts from building collapses here. And other things, like I tweeted today, the, the, uh, another building collapse. Or another thing, another, another person with my number saying, hey, can you come look at my house? I have, I've had to, I had, I, in the past couple of days, I've just had to say no. I've had to stop taking calls, stop being responsive, stop that. My therapist said no more. I've been doing my best to try to do that. I can't help it inside my building. Stuff's falling apart in my apartment building, and I go fix it. Another friend of mine who I just met had needed help installing a water filtration system in his house, so I helped him install a water filtration system in his house. But back to the post office at the Congress, I'm looking forward to that and seeing how it's going to work and seeing if that will be a force for trying to bring people together. Uh Uh-huh. Another aer- room ambulance. I don't know what's going on here. I've been talking for a while. It's your turn.
0: I don't have much to say, but the idea of having people deliver stuff, whatever it will be, to other unknown people, I think it's awesome. Having a task like that would me uh, help me, for example, definitely be more talkative talk to people more because i have a purpose i can talk to people look for people and then when i get there i can talk to them and talk about uh, with them about what i have been delivering so just one question to finish this up because i have struggled with that i still struggle with that i don't know how to talk to people how to talk to people i don't know but maybe there's people out there who've listened to you or who've seen you and want to talk to you about whatever. What is, what is the easiest way to just to talk to you? What's, what's the least intimidating way to go to someone and talk to them? Because to me that's scary. And I know that for a lot of people, that's scary to talk to someone. It's scary for me. I have no idea
1: how to do it. That was one of the most terrifying things about coming to Mexico was going to these networking events where I knew nobody. If I walk into a room and I don't know anybody, and nobody recognizes me, and I don't have any point of entry, I'm terrified. I don't know what to do. I'll last 15 minutes, wander around, and, and just leave in terror. I've done that. When I moved to Mexico, I... Now, now granted, there was also the whole language barrier. But even if people were speaking in English, I, I don't know how to just smooze... Just schmooze in a room with people I don't know.
0: We're all in same boat. I've
1: gotten... I've, well, I've gotten so used to... Was there a point in time in my life where I was good at that? I think so. If I had a mission, for example... This is why I love icebreakers. Everybody hates icebreakers. I love, I love icebreakers. If I have a mission or something to do, I'll approach anybody that I think can help me with my. I'll, I'll go on for example. Yeah. It, you could be like the HNIC. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna elaborate. Go go Google it. Yeah. It's it's pretty obvious. But unless, I mean, if you go googling anything, makes it obvious. But. I'll go to the HNIC and chat them up. Just like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm doing this. I need to get this thing done. Do you know who I can go talk to? Yeah. But how do you do that at a party where there is no mission when you're just supposed to meet people? I have no idea. Which is another reason why I'm always ready to talk to people. If somebody comes up to me and starts talking to me,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'll respect that. Because I know I... I'm vaguely aware of the courage it takes to go to a famous person. And, but famous pers- people are also I mean, famous. We're talking relative <laughs> levels of fame here, of course. Like the, every, every community of a few thousand people has its well-known people. The, there's the approachable ones and there's the unapproachable ones. And I hope I have a reputation for being an approachable one. If somebody approaches me, I'm going to honor that interaction, honor the leap of faith that it takes. Just to give a person a little bit of confidence, go do that with somebody that they don't know. To answer your question, I I don't have a good idea, which is another reason why the post office, as I envision it, as I hope it will work out, is so great. Because you have a mission. You have this postcard. And you're in an environment where everybody is predisposed to helping you accomplish what you want to accomplish. But in a regular social setting, what are you trying to accomplish? You can't say, my goal here is to meet as many people as possible. You shouldn't have a goal in a social setting. How do you have a goal at a party? I mean, I, I have goals at parties. If, I, if I'm at a party, even if I know the people and I'm, I, 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 for just whatever reason, I'm not clicking with whatever the conversation is, I'll just go in the kitchen and wash dishes. Mm-hmm. It's the Bill Murray approach. I'll, I'll wash dishes. I'll tend bar. I'll go cook. And I, I like doing that. I don't know another way to be. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the worst social person there is. I am not a social creature for as much as I'm a social creature. I like performing, but you can't... That's not real. Performing for people isn't real interaction. How how was your hot
0: chocolate? It was good. It was very good. To talk about something positive? Yeah,
1: no, I I had a hot chocolate myself to sort of take away the effects of all of this caffeine that I've been drinking, but yeah. It's it's good, and then now I'm now I'm going to end on a on an odd note. I'm heading over to Rancho Electrónico to their assembly, which also happens on Tuesdays. The meet on Tuesdays standard is truly international. The German standard went international, (laughs) Uh, and but unfortunately, they're going to decide whether or not they're going to continue in this their present space. So So we we have lots of things. So much tension. Loading up in this podcast to see what happens in the next episode. What happens when Nick comes back (laughs) from thirty four C three? What's gonna? I'm not dead
0: now. After hearing the the post office uh, idea, I I really want to go. I'm envious of everybody who's going next year. Next year I will be back. Um, I well, I can say to everyone who wanted to talk to Nick for whatever reason, who wants to criticize the podcast because the audio quality sucks. And we only talk about Mexico.
1: I'll take full responsibility for the poor quality of the audio.
0: Well, you can't. You can't. I can. I can. No. I can take. It. I mean, you it's can't. not. It's not my fault. But
1: that I'm just so used to taking responsibility for things that are not my fault in Mexico <laughs> that I just feel it's the appropriate thing to do. Come hate, hate on me. Send send hate tweets my way. Do not send them to Flow underscore FX.
0: FlowFX underscore Oh, FlowFX underscore No, actually send them to Flow underscore (laughs) FX Whoever that guy is Yeah, go to Nick Talk to him uh, Give all the the praise sent to me uh, Because I need that And yeah Have have a good time in Leipzig And And enjoy the beach I will enjoy the beach so much
1: You know what we should Try to do you should try to catch me on the 23rd. Okay. After I've been helping set up for a couple of days. Yeah. Just to see how I feel about stuff. to okay. get that snapshot To get that snapshot recording. It'll be our first... Transcontinental. Transcontinental podcast. Okay. Which, of course, is going to be a huge nightmare. How do you figure out
0: how to do that? How do no, you- it's easy. Oh, oh, okay. All right, It's great.
1: easy. All right. If it's so easy, then yeah, <laughs> let's do wow. it.
0: You know, there's these Germans... <laughs> German podcasters, they figured it out and make it made it really easy. Yes, yes, but have you
1: done it? It's always yes. You, you, yes. Oh, you have yes. Oh, okay. I've been living right.
0: here for three and a half years, and I've done ten, fifteen transcontinental podcasts. Yeah.
1: Okay, all right, okay. So we're gonna so do let's that. See what happens. Yeah, we should do that. So, so that's something. That's a good. That's a positive note to end. Very in. positive.